My name is David Chavez, and I have the awesome privilege of serving here at Citywide. It is an amazing, amazing blessing for myself and my family to continue serving here. Last week, I talked a little bit about my journey here, so I'm going to continue having a conversation with you guys. But before that, I wanted to remind you that this midweek service, we will still have it, but it will be only online. It will be a virtual service, so no in-person. Thank God for technology, right? And the fact that we are able to still meet, even though not physically, but we will connect via online. Today, I want to continue our conversation about grace. Isn't his grace good? We know that grace is free. It's for all. There are no limits to his grace. We didn't have to pay for it. However, grace demands a response. We can't simply abuse it. There is an expectation of his children, us, to respond in loyalty, in worship, and in honor. Grace allows us to overcome our mistakes, to have access to healing, to turn away from our old ways, to change our story, and allow us to heal for real. Today, I want to go into a deeper conversation regarding grace, and this time, let's talk about how it relates to your pain. Whether it be emotional or physical pain, we have all experienced pain at some point in our lives. How do you manage your pain? Today, I want to empower you with some kingdom principles that will provide you with some spiritual and some biblical coping skills to not only manage yourself through your pain, but to see you through it. See, biblical and kingdom principles don't distract us from pain. Don't make us avoid pain or suppress the pain. It deals with the pain. It doesn't make it magically go away or disappear, but it sees us through it. Today, I want to speak on the topic, grace is greater than your pain. Tell your neighbor, grace is greater than my pain. I invite you to pray with me. Father, we just thank you for the amazing time of worship, for what you are doing in our lives, and how your Holy Spirit is working in each one of us present here. How you're turning, how you're changing, how you're transforming, how you are working within us. And I ask you, Lord, to open access to different areas of our mind, of our soul that have been closed off but are still in need of healing. I ask you, Lord, to speak life into us, to transform us so that when we leave through those doors, we will be renewed and that we can be able to be agents of change in this world. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Ever stubbed your toe before? Ever banged your knee? Ever hit your hands? Maybe burned yourself cooking? maybe cut yourself by accident, or maybe overworked a sore muscle because you went to the gym? Well, my painful story was when I tore my hamstring in my left leg about a year and a half ago. Well, how did it happen? So, well, you may think it was probably because maybe I was doing some type of sports or some type of activity that was really, really, really burdensome, and I had to move my leg, and I had to do something in order to probably, maybe that's why my hamstring tore, but no, none of the above. I tore my hamstring as I was getting some groceries on my front deck. <laughs> Not necessarily an activity that you would say comes with danger or risk, or pain. See, on this specific night, it was pretty cold, and, and they had placed the groceries a little bit far from my door, and, and now I have to be honest with y'all and confess, I did not use discernment. I was not wise in my next moves. This is why it's important to pray without ceasing. <laughs> See, I decided I could probably keep one leg in because it was so cold, maybe because I wanted to stay a little bit warm. I said, if I keep one leg in and put the other one out, I could probably grab those groceries really quick and come back inside. That was my logic. I don't know why that was logical for me, but at that moment, that was my logic. And all with the purpose of not fully going and stepping outside to get cold. Well, it it, it didn't work. 
In fact, as I went to grab the groceries, what I neglected to realize that my front door is just slightly, maybe a foot and a half actually higher than my deck. So my left leg was higher up than my right leg and my right leg goes on the mat and I'm ready. I'm like, I'm seeing the groceries, I'm gonna get them. But I feel the mat underneath me slide just a little bit. I said, uh-oh, this is not gonna be good. So I moved, my, I moved my right leg a little bit back to put the mat in place so I can go and grab them. And as I lean forward, my body weight goes forward. Now, grown man going to grab some groceries. You can imagine the scene in front of his deck. And I go grab the groceries. As I go grab the groceries, I feel the mat slip underneath me fully. And I'm moving forward. And I'm going down. There's no way. My left leg didn't understand that we were going to fall, mind of its own, and the left leg stayed inside the house. I don't know why. <laughs> so as I move forward, the left leg stays in, my right leg moves forward, and I do my first split. <laughs> yeah. Not a great, I would not recommend this for anyone to do. And as I fall forward, I hear a pop and a snap. Now you know that's not gonna be good. And all I'm thinking is I lost my leg, something happened, it's like dislocated, that's it, it's broken. I'm thinking the worst scenario, I, I managed to get up, make sure no one saw. <laughs> and I feel my leg, okay, okay, I could wiggle my toes, all right, but I'm feeling this extreme pain radiating down my left leg, all the way down to my heel excruciating pain. Now, my wife, it's been a couple of minutes. She has this spidey sense. She can sense things. <laughs> they have these, you know, ability to like, what's happening? Hon, is everything okay? Yeah, everything is fine. <laughs> because to me, when I cope with pain, everything is fine. Everything is going to be okay. So I walk in limping, <laughs> She's like, everything's not fine. What's wrong? What happened? What happened? And I'm like, it's so painful. I was in extreme, extreme pain. She's like, you got to go to the doctor. I'm like, no, no doctors. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I couldn't even sit down. You got to go to the doctor. I eventually went to the doctor. <laughs> the doctor told me, well, if you're 30 years older, you probably would have been looking at surgery. And he gave me specific directions and instructions for that month. And then he says, and then you have to go to physical therapy. I'm like, physical therapy? That's nonsense. That's not real. <laughs> physical therapy was another battle. I was obedient. I went. Stretching and doing the exercise and feeling sore and in pain. The physical therapist warned me, if you're not consistent, if you're not constant, if you're not coming, if you're not doing the exercises, if you're not doing everything that I told you to do, this may come back and it may come back worse. Folks, too often I've counseled and I've spoken to people that just never listened to their own body or were not self-aware of the pain that was in their soul. They ignored the signs. They suppressed the pain. They avoided dealing with the abuse because it was too painful. We can carry around with emotional wounds our entire lives and nobody knows about it. We get really good at hiding it. We become professional. Sometimes people could be right next to us functioning well, but deep down inside we are broken in pain. My torn hamstring was not gonna get better by itself. I needed treatment, I needed to follow through and be obedient with the exercises as much as I did not want to. I needed to release my own stubbornness. How many need to release their own stubbornness? You don't have to confess today. <laughs> and I had to listen to the doctor. And most importantly, I needed to make a conscious decision to get help. Follow through on treatment, become self-aware of my condition, embrace my pain, which is very hard to do, and enter into a process of healing. If not, I could have the possibility of enduring the same pain worse again and again and again. 
When we don't take the steps to seek healing from our pain through the grace that God provides us, we can enter into also cycles of pain, causing us to relive the trauma over and over and over again. Not only do we live it, but this affects people around us. They don't want to be around us anymore, folks, because we're such we're passing through such pain and so many issues. The human mind is an incredible thing. When the brain sees trauma or experiences traumatic events, we, we are able to place in these small traumatic events or big traumatic events into compartments. Why does the brain do this? It, well, it, it, it does this so we could survive and adapt. The brain recognizes trauma. Our soul recognizes trauma. And in order to continue life, well, we have to isolate the problem. We need to continue functioning. And so the brain puts this stuff all the way back, and we have very limited access to it. This pain, this trauma, the emotional hurt is now deep inside your mind in order for you to continue functioning. Although these memories of the past and pain and traumas can be hidden in our memories, they shape us. They form us. They can grow into calluses that are hard to remove. Anyone had a callus before? They're not comfortable. Our hearts are hardened towards people, relationships. We become stubborn or extremely defensive. See, I could talk about New Yorkers because I was born and raised in the Bronx. And as a New Yorker, we have calluses on all the time, especially in public transportation. Don't look at me, don't talk to me, don't, deal with, don't ask me my name, don't ask me the time of day. I'm here to go to work, I'm here to go home. Don't mess with me. I don't want to deal with you. I got that, you know, you got that face on like, don't even try it. No, what? The time of day, you got to watch. Don't even talk to me. No eye contact, please. Too often we are so drowned in our pain that we can neglect those around us. We grow bitter, we go cold, and our defenses are always up. Growing up in a household where I was witness to verbal assault, physical abuse, mental abuse, and emotional abuse, my brain began to process pain differently. Overcoming was always my goal. Forgetting the hurt and pain was constantly the solution to the problem. See, my family prayed for things to go away instead of dealing with them. With this, I became an expert in hiding my feelings and growing numb to pain. But the problem with this is just, is, is you start growing numb, not just to your feelings of pain, but to all emotions. You can't celebrate anymore. You can't feel joy. You can't connect with others. You can only connect at a shallow level versus a deeper level. You become numb. Worst of all, you also grow numb to God. It becomes hard to accept that God has provided grace for you that he paid it all on the cross for you, that he loves you beyond all measure, that you are precious to him, that you are now part of an amazing family and have access to all types of blessings. See, see, maybe you're struggling today with accepting how much he loved you because maybe as a child, you didn't receive the affection that you needed. Have you grown numb to his presence? When we avoid dealing with our past pains and grief, we suppress our feelings. This makes it difficult to connect with God on a deeper emotional level. We grow to become emotionally immature. Sometimes there are pains and hurts that have occurred in your life and you have buried them so deep you have no more access to them. A person with a lot of hardcore and really deep issues was King David. He knew that there were issues in his mind, in his heart, that went unchecked. And in Psalm 26, 2, David reveals a deep concern. He says, test me, test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. David was aware that there may be stuff in his soul that he, he didn't have access to. So he tells God, God, examine my heart. Reach into my soul, bring forward and extract those memories, events, words, people that I have to deal with today that have caused me pain yesterday. See, the good news 
is that God can use your pain, can use my pain, can use my sorrow, can use your adversity, can use your trials and, and the, all these issues that we go through and transform them from a story of disgrace to a story full of grace. From a victim state of mind to a victorious state of mind. From reliving a tale of abuse and pain to walking into a life full of freedom. How many can walk in a life full of freedom in his name? See, grace is greater than my pain. Tell your neighbor, grace is greater than our pain. Another person experienced in pain was Paul. He tells us this experience that he had in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to verse 10. Therefore, in order to keep from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Ever felt a thorn before on a rose? Ever felt something really sharp, maybe inside or digging into your skin? See, he says, a messenger of Satan came to torment him. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. How many have been there before? God, take this away. God, I can't deal with this. Lord, I can't put up with him any longer. I can't deal with her. I can't deal with these kids anymore. I'm done. But see, God responds and he tells him, my grace is sufficient for you. (laughs) For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all more gladly about my weakness, Paul responds to God, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in what? In my strengths? No, no, no. In the times that are great? No, 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 no. I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults. I delight in hardships. I delight in persecutions. I delight in difficulties. That's a hard pill to swallow, right? Paul says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. As I read this scripture, many things come to mind, and one of them was this. Paul Paul was courageous and bold. These verses are real testament of the character of Paul. For the most part of the New Testament, he was talking about, he was dealing with all these issues with different churches and multiple problems. He addressed spiritual issues, doctrinal issues, divisions, and churches that were just plain not listening. It's very rare that we hear Paul speak at such a personal level as we see in 2 Corinthians. In this letter, we truly hear Paul's heart speaking to the church of Corinth and its leadership. Paul lays it all out, and he becomes extremely vulnerable. At the time the letter to Corinth was written, there were many false prophets that had overtaken the church. They were mocking Paul's teachings. They said Paul was no good. See, remember, Paul was was teaching over 18 months. He lived with the church of Corinth for a long time. But very similar to the church of Ephesus, which he actually spent three years there. They were a little bit more you know, stubborn than the church of Corinth. But we still got a couple of stubborn people today, right? I mean, I'm just including, I'm just talking about myself, right? They followed the teachings of these false prophets, and they were completely convinced that Paul's teachings were actually false. The false prophets made the accusation that Paul was all talk and no action. Of course, the word says in Luke 8, 17, for there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed and nothing concealed that will not be known or brought brought out into the open. God brings everything to light. Nothing stays hidden in God's presence. Everything comes to light. Some people may talk ill about you. Some people may slander your name. Some people may put you down. Some people may put your name through the mud. But let me tell you, there is a God in heaven that brings justice to all. Paul finds out about what's going on in Corinth. And he basically tells them, I know what you're doing, and I'm going to uncover your lies, revealing who you really are to the church. I think the hardest and most painful part of this all for Paul was to confront 
that the people he poured out into, that he led, that he prayed over, that he ministered, that he taught, that he trusted, that he broke bread with, did him wrong. How many times have we dealt with people who we thought we trusted, who we thought we loved, who are right next to us in every single situation, and then they turn around and smack us in the face? Anybody been there before? But let me tell you this. God's grace is greater than our pain. Yet knowing this, and here's the kicker, guys, Paul still wrote to them. He prayed for them. He encouraged them. He loved on them. See, God calls us to love on the broken. He calls us to love on the people who not necessarily will love us back or may receive us with open arms. Those people who may not want to greet me or smile at me. The people who kind of always have something negative to say. You guys know those people, right? Yes, even the people that we find annoying at work. Even those people we have to love. God calls us to love all people. God calls us to love those who probably don't even love themselves. Why? Because Jesus did it. It's a kingdom principle. When we walk in grace as Paul did, we can convert our pain into joy. We can convert our pain into joy. That's my first point. Through grace, our pain can turn into joy. God has a plan. He uses the suffering. He uses the pain in our lives to prove his purpose. It is not until we understand and accept that our pain is what makes us stronger, that we can begin to navigate through the past hurts. Your story of abuse, your story of neglect, your story of pain makes you stronger. It can turn into joy. Psalm, I love the words of David in Psalm 30, verse 5. He says, weeping may stay for the night. (laughs) Weeping, the sorrow, the moment of anguish may be just a moment. That trial may just be one moment, but rejoicing comes in the morning. I'm going to say that one more time. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes comes in the morning. That joy will come to you. The concept of rejoicing in pain, rejoicing in conflict seems backwards, almost illogical. When you rejoice in pain, what are you doing? Is accepting that pain and acknowledging that God's grace will see you through it. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Only a believer in God's grace can have access to joy in the midst of a trial. Folks, let your pain turn to joy. Turn to your neighbor and say, my conflict will be my joy. My trials will be my joy. Even my disease will turn to joy. Because in this, in this problem, God will see you through. He will sustain you. See, David never spoke about avoiding the valley of the shadow of death. He's very clear. He says, even though I am in it, even though I am passing through trials, even though I'm going to go through the worst day of my life, I shall fear no evil. I, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Our joy doesn't come because he's removing the trial. Our joy comes because he's with us in the trial. See, it's a shift in perspective. Paul constantly solved conflict. His thorn mentioned in verse 8, a possible physical ailment or possibly a spiritual one, was so significant that he shouted to God to relieve him from it. God, take this away. What did God say? No. <laughs> Second time. God, but, but take this away, this person, this issue, this problem that I have. Take it away. I can't deal with this anymore. And what did God say? No. Paul goes again. God, 
I need your help. Take this away. And God says, no. At this point, I think all of us would have turned around and said, no way, I'm done. I'm over. But Paul finds himself with this response that God tells him. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's not about me, it's about him. His grace is greater than our pain. That leads me to my second point. Through grace, our pain can turn into forgiveness. Through grace, through his grace, our pain can turn into forgiveness. See, in Matthew 18, 21 to 22, we deal with the topic of forgiveness. It's a very controversial topic at the time. And Peter, who always wants to know everything, says, Hey, God, hey, Jesus, I got a question for you. How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus, you know Jesus' answers, they're always great, right? What does he tell them? I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. He went overboard. He exaggerated. He, that means there is no limit to forgiveness. Sometimes we got difficulties forgiving once or twice. And I know some people take this word literally. Let me go down the line. Okay, once I forgave, twice I forgave, three times I forgave. Oh, 77, no more forgiveness. You're all done. I can't forgive you anymore because it, the Bible says. Here we find another uh, kingdom principle that may not make sense to the world, but it makes sense to God. Jesus not only tells us to forgive multiple times, he just tells us we need to forgive because we have been forgiven through his grace. Forgive because you have been forgiven. This can be tough, especially when it's someone who we love, who has hurt us, who has sort of speak, taken the thorn and digged it into our side. How many times have we dealt with those issues? I'll forgive, but I won't forget. I'll move on, but I won't let her do that to me again. That's not going to happen here. No way, Jose. See, the problem with those statements is that God's forgiveness doesn't come from clauses or conditions or memories. There's no clauses or conditions to God's forgiveness. <laughs> Thank you, God, for that, right? Because if not, I will not have forgiveness. When God's grace grants you forgiveness, he wipes it all away. He wipes it all clean. There's no memory of what you did yesterday. There's no memory of what you did five years ago. There's nothing what happened before. It's all clean. Yes. He eliminates your debts. Can we do the same for each other? Jesus reminds us this in the parable. Forgiveness holds no conditions. The amazing part of forgiveness is that when we, we release forgiveness... It gives us access to healing, healing from our pain. See, in the parable in Matthew 18, Jesus is telling us, even if you are in the right, even if they owe you money, even if you feel justified, even if you feel like they've been wronged, that you've been wronged, act in grace. Act in grace and release forgiveness. Who are you holding forgiveness from today? Whose forgiveness have you been holding on for months years, maybe even decades? Or have you been holding forgiveness against yourself? Your pain can turn into forgiveness. Through his grace, you can forgive others. Through his grace, you can forgive yourself because his grace is greater than our pain. This leads me to my last point. Through grace, our pain can turn into testimony. Through grace, our pain can turn into a living testimony. See, how many of us have been there just like Paul? Lord, take it away. Lord, take it away. I can't deal with this anymore. I don't have any strength. And after hearing this no, 
Paul responds in a very interesting way. What does he tell God? What does he say to others? (laughs) He says that he will begin to boast about it. We start, but when we hear the no, instead of reacting like Paul, we start pouting like little kids. Oh, we didn't get what we wanted. See, see, all of this is undealt, suppressed pain that has now been triggered from God's no. Past memories, maybe issues or problems, and now we're relating it to God. Our pain blinds us from seeing that he loves us unconditionally, that he ultimately knows what's best for us. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that in all things, not just in the good, not in just the things that we like. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. How many have been called according to his purpose in this place? See, Paul's response to God, no, is, therefore, I will boast more gladly about my weakness. How many like to boast about their weaknesses here? That's a hard, that's another hard pill to swallow. We, we don't like to talk about how bad we are or how we can't do stuff or how we can't execute something. We all, we're trained in this world to talk about how good we are. Oh, I could do this. Oh, this is my accomplishments. This is my resume. And sometimes we even tweak it so we can make us look nicer. Right? Even when we take a picture, it's like, oh, let me Photoshop that picture. Mm, I don't like that angle. Let me make myself look, a look, look like a little, little better. The world trains us to boast about these things. But, but the kingdom principle here is opposite. It's totally opposite. Our testimony now becomes our greatest weapon against pain. When grace overcomes our lives, we can share with others about our trials and testify of how God has seen us through. We become more aware of our pain and realize how God is faithful to see us through any challenge. Your testimony today can open access to someone's freedom tomorrow. Your testimony today can open access to someone's freedom tomorrow. Your story. If you read the Bible, it's full of painful events. It's full of men and women who have fallen from grace. It's real. It's raw. These writers don't exclude anything. They don't don't take out any part of it. And the word of God details and talks about the pain and how they confront it and how they can testify about it. Because God's grace is greater than our pain. I invite you to stand today with me as I close. There's a woman that was experienced in pain. There was a woman in the Bible that was experienced in shame. There was a woman in the Bible that had so many issues, so many traumas, she just didn't want to deal with anybody anymore. That woman was a Samaritan woman at the well. In John chapter 4, 39 to, 40, 39 to 41, we, we, we see this encounter that Jesus has with this woman. He provides this conversation. He provides in this conversation a solution to no longer have to come to the well in shame. See, she was going during the middle of the day when nobody went. How many times have you found yourself in shame, not wanting to deal with the pain? And you say, it's better to be quiet. It's better, me, it's, 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 it's better for me not to talk about it. Maybe it'll go away by itself. I feel so ashamed about what I've done that I don't want to deal with it anymore. That's how that woman felt. I'm, I'm not going to go to confront anyone because they all know what I've done. Jesus met her at the well. And he talked to her. And they weren't even supposed to talk. 
you, you're, but you're Jewish and I'm Samaritan. We don't talk. We don't get along. And here she has a conversation that releases her shame, that releases her from guilt, that releases her, her pain. And now she walks in healing. And now she's like, what? What? You have a solution for me? There's something, there's something that I can do? Yes. You will drink from a water and you will never thirst again. So she's healed. Her pain becomes her joy. There's forgiveness because Jesus gives her access to this forgiveness, right? And then what happens? She goes and she runs. I can imagine her skipping and jumping. I've met the Messiah. I've met the Messiah. There's a solution to the problem. Hey, remember me, y'all, that I didn't talk to you? I was so ashamed of myself. I didn't want to deal with my guilt. I didn't want to deal with my pain. Remember me? remember me I have a testimony now because I met the Messiah I met the Messiah and it says in verse 39 many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony <laughs> you have a testimony you have a testimony your pain is no longer your storyline. Your testimony, the one that he's giving you today, is your new testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Jesus released her. He released her guilt. He released all of this forgiveness over him. And now she didn't care who she saw. She didn't care where she was going. She was running to that town saying, there's a Messiah in town. You better talk to him. You better deal with him. You better get saved. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay. Now the testimony spread like wildfire. Now all of them wanted to receive healing. Now all of them wanted to receive forgiveness. Now all of them wanted to testify just like the Samaritan woman. See, your testimony has power. Your words have power. What God is doing in your life today has power. He converted her pain. He converted her trauma. He converted her shame, her difficulties, her struggles into joy. Your testimony of joy and forgiveness today can open access to floodgates of, of blessings over the people around you, not just yourself. See, the enemy wants to think that your story is over. <laughs> Satan wants to think that you, wants to make you think that you are useless, that you have no purpose, that your testimony is garbage, that you can't testify because God's not done with you yet. No, that's not what he's saying. God is not telling you, I'm working with you and you, and you will be a work in progress, and you can still testify to others. God is calling you today because he's telling you, my grace, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. His grace is greater than your pain. Your story is still being written. And the kingdom, the kingdom of God needs your story. People out there need to hear your story. People in here need to hear your story. God's calling you out of the dysfunction, out of your pain, out of your trauma. It's time to be healed. It's time. It's been too long. It's been too long. How have you been managing your pain? How have you been dealing with it? What unresolved issues are in your soul today that are tugging at your heart right now? Oh, no, no, I'm not going to deal with that. Mm -mm, that's for tomorrow. Let me put it down. Let me suppress it. Let me, no, no, I don't want to talk about it. That's too rough. That, that's too tough. I'm going to start crying. I don't want to deal with it. I'm tough. I'm macho. I'm not going to deal with it. No, God is calling you to deal with it today. Don't walk out those doors without coming to the front and being prayed for. Don't leave this place 
Don't leave this place without receiving a touch from God. He's calling you today. I'm going to call the altar workers, the intercessors to the front. Some of us resist. We're very stubborn. Kind of just like what we saw in Corinth and Ephesians. We're still stubborn today. Hasn't changed. God knows it. Let me tell you, he knows it. He's tugging at that heart. Come forward. Let the Holy Spirit guide you today. The altar is open.
It's not a building you want to fill. It's my heart. This empty space is what you wanted all along. Come on. Oh, it's not a building you want to fill. It's my heart. This empty space is what you wanted all Because you love when I'm empty. of what God has done in your life. How he has turned your pain into joy. How he's turned your pain into forgiveness. How he has turned your pain into a living testimony. To testify that you are good. 
and that your grace is more than sufficient for us. Be respectful and mindful of the ministry that's still here. We're going to just pray, and we're going to thank God for what he's doing. We just thank you, Father God, for what you have done and what you will be doing in our lives. Holy Spirit, continue to speak to our lives as we leave this place. Maybe images, maybe sounds, maybe words may come to us as we go through our week. Things that are triggered that may have been unlocked or locked things in our minds, in our soul, that you want us to deal with so we can enter into joy. I ask you, Lord, that you speak life into us, that as we leave this place, your blessing, Lord, be with us. And that as we leave these these doors, Lord, that we can talk and testify of the great things that you are doing in our lives. We thank you, Lord, because your grace is more than sufficient. Your grace can make all my pain, all my pain into victory, into joy into forgiveness, into a living testimony. We thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.